Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sanctuary of Quest Church. We're excited about tonight. Listen, God is going to speak in a very powerful and profound way through the men that we have with us tonight. Before I introduce them to you, I want to encourage you to do something right now. Be a social media missionary, okay? So everyone, please share tonight. Tag your friends. Hit those thumbs. Hit those hearts. Leave your comments. This causes traction and it will pull people in. It creates that wonderful gravitational pull that social media offers. And people's lives are going to be not just challenged. They're going to be changed tonight by the anointing of the men of God that we have with us. Concerning giving, I just want to touch on that just a moment. And I appreciate Christian going through that in great detail with you. But we have several churches that have joined us tonight. For example, Place for Life in San Antonio, Texas, Pastor Dustin Hawkins, all the PFL people, we give it up to you right now. We thank you for joining us. And again, we want you to share, comment, and participate and be engaged tonight. Thank God for Place for Life in San Antonio. For you to give tonight in San Antonio, you need to text PFLSA to 77977. I'll say it again, PFL. SA. I would suppose that stands for Place for Life San Antonio <laughs> to 77977. Be a giver tonight, okay? And for those of you who support Quest, of course, it's Quest Norman, same number, 77977. So let's all be givers tonight. And while I'm saying that, the two gentlemen that's going to join me tonight both have websites that you can go there and give on their app or their website. One is michaelpitts.com. The other is jubileebridge.church, okay? So let's all be givers tonight and be engaged, be involved. I, I could not be more excited. This is our first table talk since I think the 1st of December in 2020. And you know the traction we pulled last year. Thousands of people, 330-something souls saved between March and December of 2020 on our social media outlets. So we're thankful for Quest Nation and what we're able to do to, to bring the gospel to the globe in Jesus' name. But tonight, these guys are not only my friends, they are my brothers, and we have a long-running relationship. I want you to welcome tonight Bishop Michael Pitts and Pastor Adam Burnell. Guys, I can't thank you enough. I, I was telling you before we came on, I know how valuable time is. And I know how busy you guys are. And so I just thank you for taking a moment tonight to share with these incredible people that are participating. And I know that God is going to speak through you both. And um, we just welcome you. I'm going to start out uh, tonight. And I just want to reflect on some things. We're going to talk about church then, church now, church in the future. And then we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12 and give some spiritual insight and prayerfully some prophetic utterances for the people of God. And I want to begin by saying in 1990, I think it was 1997, I was pastoring a growing church in San Antonio, Texas. We were growing at about 33% a year. And I went to Azusa Conference. Of course, I came up under Bishop Pearson's ministry, but I met a young, he called me and said, there's there's a preacher in the hotel. You need to get in the car with him and ride with him to the, to the um, maybe center where the uh, conference was being held. I said, is it Bishop Pitts? And he said, yeah. I said, I've been wanting to meet him. 
So we get in the car together. I look at Bishop Michael Pitts, and I'm like, man, do you have a Bible? And he said, no. He said, I, you know, I think the Lord has, has spoken to me. And I'm looking at him like, you didn't bring your Bible. You're about to speak to about 8,000, 10,000 people. He goes, I, I think the Holy Spirit's going to use me tonight. It's all good. And my mind was literally blown. And Bishop Pitts, I'm going to tell you right now in front of everyone watching, you have been, you are by far my favorite preacher in, of all time. There's a couple of guys that I think would rival your preaching with me, which would be Jake's and probably Mark Hamby. But man, you, are, you have just spoken the word of the Lord with great clarity and apostolic anointing since I've known you, since 1997. I brought him to my church. We were supposed to have a three-day revival. And Adam, it lasted 21 straight nights. And we had so many people in the building that they were sitting on the platform. And he had about a five-foot circumference to preach in. I've never seen anything like it. And Bishop Pitts, I honor you tonight. I respect you. And, and I, I appreciate you being with us tonight. I am uh, more than honored to be with you. And I was thinking about that as we were kind of leaning towards tonight, thinking about, man, I think I've known Rick Hawkins since like 1997. Yeah. And uh, both of us have a little bit more gray going on around <laughs> different parts. Right. But those incredible days. And there was something that was divine about our San Antonio experience there yeah. that would never have happened had you not opened the door for that and made space for that and been willing to say, let's just follow God in all of that. And now to see you <clears throat> leading uh, Quest Church and to see Dustin, gosh, yeah, you know, and to see him taking care of San Antonio and then to be on here with my friend Adam Burnell, who I've known probably for a similar uh, amount of time, about 25 years, maybe at least. And I put this jacket on tonight because I, I want to be casual like Adam. But I put this jacket on because um, Adam actually bought me this jacket. Good, yes. When we were in Sausalito. That's, that's on my cool. Birthday. That's awesome, man. So anyway, so glad to be with with all of you guys tonight. And um, I know something special is going to happen. It is going to happen tonight. I, it's something very powerful is going to take place. Pastor Adam, thank you as well. And I know that California is going through a different kind of challenge than most states in in the United States right now. How is it going at Jubilee Bridge? And are you guys able to have church yet as far as indoors? No, but they just opened some restrictions first time since Thanksgiving, two days ago on Monday. So we're getting closer, but it's outdoor. So we can go outdoor, but yeah. it is it is pouring rain for the next week and low 30s on a Sunday night. So I told my church, uh, if we do outdoor church, because I'm keeping you safe from COVID, I might give you pneumonia by sitting outside. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna stay online for a few more weeks. But wow. it is getting closer. The Pray challenge, down. yeah. Thank God for that. The challenges we are facing now as pastors and churches, I've never seen anything even close to what we've been going through. Um, let's talk about memories just for a moment. From about two, uh, 1996 to 2006 was a decade of moves of God like I had never seen. Actually, Bishop Pitts introduced me to a terminology called the Apostolic Reformation. And that sent me on a journey to learn exactly what the apostolic anointing was, 
the office of the apostle, all of those things, and it swept this nation. And, and you were at the front of that, Bishop Pitts, and I was thinking about some of the services and conferences and revivals that we were a part of during that season. And I thought I'd ask you a question tonight. What would you consider, how many years have you been in ministry, Bishop? Um, well, I've been in ministry about 37 years, and uh, Kathy and I founded our church here that we just transitioned into our next season uh, uh, 35 years ago. So I started preaching when I was 16, 17 years old. Yeah. And I'm seven years old now. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most, in your opinion, the most important message or series in, in your tenure of ministry that you saw the most effect from? Uh, what what would you what would you say it was? Well, to, to me, it might be a different answer when you ask other people. Right. But to me, the the biggest thing that I probably preached many different ways was the message of agreement, the agreement between heaven and earth. Yeah. When heaven and earth come into agreement, um, how God has uh, perfection and reflection. He makes a sun and he makes a moon. The moon only shines because the sun is there. He makes the heavens and he makes the earth. The earth only lives because the heavens are there. He make obviously God is there who is in perfection and man becomes the reflection. And where wherever there is perfection and reflection and there's an agreement there, there is power. And the only thing that separates heaven and earth is an atmosphere. Wow. Uh, King James calls it a firmament. And um, so that's where the principalities and powers of darkness rule between the voice of God in the heavens and the ear of man on the earth. And that God created us to be the amen, the, the amen, the yes in the earth that God speaks and we say yes and amen. And that's what, that's what closes that distance out. Because the Bible doesn't teach that God is distant. The Bible teaches that God is different. Mm. God is different but not distant. So anyway, don't get me started because I'll get up and run around here and, and, and do something. I know you so well. When you make this move right here, if something <laughs> is about to, to flow. Go ahead on with it, man. We're, we're right here. And I want you to, if you hit that vein, please roll with it because Pastor Adam and I, I know Pastor Adam is like me. We love listening to you preach. Um, well, well, I have to defer to Pastor Adam because he's the, the theologian in this group right here <laughs> and true. the historian and all of those things. That's true. But, um, but when I say agreement is important to me, it's because um, wherever there's agreement, there is power. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of the enemy is always division. Okay. It's always separation. And yeah. I believe that in the times that we're in, that um that that becomes a very important message because many of the spirits that are operating right now are are to bring division mm. you know uh, through whether it becomes uh racial divisions political divisions economic divisions theological divisions yeah and we've almost lost the concept of understanding that jesus's prayer and i love the series i heard that you were on mm -hmm. Jesus' prayer was that they would be one. Yeah. And because of the anti-social media and because of the hostility culture that we're in, people seem to draw their identity from where they can divide from people or disagree with people mm. rather than finding out where we can be unified at. That's good. Man, that's strong. That's strong. 
I remember the first time I heard you preach on agreement, and it rocked my world because I started looking around and trying to figure out, okay, and you taught me that agreement means to engage. It's where two gears engage, and it calls, the purpose of two gears engaging is called move, to cause movement or motion. So yeah. the, where there's a lack of agreement, there's a lack of engagement, which means nothing's moving. And I remember that very well, actually, from that revelation. I wrote a book called The Power of Agreement. Uh, but the first time I heard it was from you. And so as you're speaking tonight, I, as two, 2020 ended when those two planets got in conjunction with each other that we saw, the Lord started speaking to me about agreement and alignment again, that anything that's out of alignment is always pulling against you. Um, and I believe that the Lord is bringing his church during this season to a place of adjustment. Some things are being adjusted so that we can have good alignment and walk in the power of agreement. And so, Bishop, I appreciate your incredible revelation on that. Adam, when you look back, just a moment of reflection with you, at the years of Jubilee, at the height of Jubilee, it was a prototype church, and Bishop Pitts would agree with me on that, I think, to the entire nation pretty much. You guys were doing stuff out there no one else was doing. What, what is one of the great memories you remember of uh, at Jubilee? Oh, wow. Gee. I think it was when Michael Pitts came to preach. I, yeah. I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> when I first got saved, Ron Canoli was blowing up. And my father was on TBN once a week with his spiritual warfare books. And it just was such an exciting time. This was early 90s. And when Ron was recording all those great praise and worship albums, Jesus is Alive and, and whatnot, and from our facility live, it was, it was a very exciting, very heady time. Uh, uh, and I barely knew anything back then. Yeah. But I didn't know one thing. God was in this house and God was moving in, in this in this body here. And uh, it was so exciting. But again, all the conferences and the in the and the celebrities or the great preachers we would have or our old thunder in the bays and the, I can go on and on and on. It, it was a very, very wonderful time. But but I don't know about you guys. I'm more excited about what God's about to do than what God used to do. And that's where, that's where I want to go. You know, we, we were hewn from that, mm -hmm. those kinds of movements, conferences and revivals and protracted services. And we looked for the anointing. I mean, when we went in, we were, we were looking for a move of God. And, and we knew that we were the thermostat to set that atmosphere. And we could, we could initiate something that was very profound and very powerful as we yielded ourselves to the Lord. And now that, you know, I preached from 1 Samuel chapter 14 on Sunday that the people of God were in hiding until two young men made themselves known to the enemy. And uh, when the enemy said, come up to us, we're going to teach you a lesson. Two young men, Jonathan and his armor bearer, as you know, set out toward them. And then the Israelites saw them come out. They initiated something. And then the Hebrews came out of the, out of the hiding places and out of the caves. And I believe that there's an apostolic anointing returning to the house of God and the people of God that is very, not just profound, but prophetic and edgy like you're talking about. But the new expression is going to be interesting to me. Bishop Pitts, I read today that the, the biggest communication shift in 500 years is upon us. And that 71% of 
of baby boomers that were surveyed want to be in church again, but only 40% of millennials want to return to church. So it's a new challenge for us where we are right now. How do we embrace it? How do, how, how do we even approach it? Well, I think that the message is the same. The delivery method is different. Okay. And, you know, when, when you know, we were growing up, uh, nobody delivered, you know, whether you, whether you were getting pizza or groceries, you had to go get it. Yeah. And so the pizza is still the same, but the delivery method is different. They'll, they'll bring it to your house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and it only took a couple places to start delivering until everybody started delivering. Mm-hmm. And I think one of our blessings during this time is that um, we are able to understand that we can deliver the same message uh, on a different platform, but it also expands our borders. Okay. That right now, <clears throat> you're in Oklahoma, Adam's in California, I'm in Ohio, and none of us had to get on a plane, right. has to sit in a hotel room, and we can we can reach the world. So we are, we are living in a day where you can be at one place and speak to every place. Yeah. So uh, to to try to answer your question more directly is that millennials have grown up in a screen culture. Okay. So that's part of their um, feeling of like they would just assume I think numbers of them uh, be a part of a church online as they would be physical. The boomers um, were a very much um, relational culture. Mm-hmm. And so I think our delivery methods are different, but the message remains the same. Mm-hmm. What I'm asking God for, and you guys can help me with this, what I'm asking God for is how do we maximize this moment for evangelism? Mm-hmm. Because it seems to me that during COVID, um, tensions and all of the upheavals that we've had in 2020 that many people lost their zeal for the house of God and since we were in survival mode we've lost our our, our evangelistic desire mm-hmm. and and just trying to hang on to people who said they were with us that really weren't and people who said they were part of the church but really weren't mm-hmm. and people who said they believed God but they really didn't mm-hmm. Um, we, we kind of lost some of our impetus as to say, you know, this is an incredible uh, capacity and time for us to be able to reach people and for people to be uh, born again. Mm. Fully yeah. agree. And I think it's, we, we have to get down to, do we want buildings that are filled or do we want to fulfill the mission? And we need to decide what we're going to do. And I think that's where evangelism is going to come in very strong because I think the emphasis now is going to shift to every seat being filled and buildings packed to are we really fulfilling the mission that we were sent here to do? And are we really reaching the lost and seeing people saved? And I think this is there's a great uh, emphasis being put on evangelism right now because of that. And pastors are having to rethink you know, uh, build, buildings are not full and, and people, 30% of the people have come back, 30% of the people have left and 30% of people are not going to church at all. And so it, it, those numbers are staggering, but it also opens a door to a harvest field that is waiting for us to reach them. 
Uh, Pastor Adam, I know you're excited about the future. You, you mentioned it. Talk to us about that. Well, I started this year almost losing my mind because I was completely focused on how can I close this space between me and my congregation. And it's been so many months. I don't even know if I had a congregation. Yeah, right. I don't even And so many people have left my state, unfortunately, that at least once a week, somebody's waving by on Facebook because they're headed to Arizona or Nevada or Idaho and, and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was... I was kind of spinning out a little bit and fighting a little depression with this. And I kept talk, asking God, how can I close the space between me and them? But God really put it on my heart. I took some time off during the holidays that it, the problem is the space between. But it's not the space between me and them. It was the space between me and God. Mm. And when I threw open the Bible, the first I, I just opened it. And the first question in the Bible was God asking, Adam, where are you? Yeah. And I took that very personal. I wasn't going to Genesis, but it was almost like the, the book opened itself. And when I read that, I read that about four or five times. So in it, I, the space between me and the congregation restrictions and the governor telling me this, it was almost null and void. And there was nothing I could do about it. But God kept putting it on my heart. There was a whole lot of things I could do about the space between me and him. Wow. Devotion between me and me and him has not been taken away. Right. My prayer life has not been restricted. Right. I could still do that. I could still worship him. And it dawned on me I was doing none of those things. Yeah. I was so consumed about how I could reach people during this pandemic mm -hmm. that I had lost touch and had grown a deeper space between me and heaven or me and the Lord. Yeah. So for these past few weeks, that's what I'm trying to close. That's what I'm trying to get closer. And that, to me, is the vein that'll pump life back into the heart of, of my little church here. Yeah. And um, I'm just staying focused on that. I have complete control over that. Right. But I have zero control over the political situation. Yeah. And and uh, the restrictive and, and the disease itself. So I have stayed trying to stay focused on that. And when Michael was talking about division... That really struck with me. I had allowed a division between me and God, not mm. out of anger, a little bit out of my uncomfortableness or my frustration, but I didn't realize it affected mine and God's relationship. Yeah. And when I, I read Adam, that, where are you? I took it for this Adam. And I, I think it's really helpful and uh, for people to hear you, to be able to say, man, I felt like, you know, there was this depression or anxiety setting in because um, lockdowns and isolation affect mm -hmm. different people in different ways. And what people don't always know about pastors, maybe they know, maybe they don't know, is that when you spend your life being surrounded by people and being uh, able to hug people and touch people and talk to people and slap your neighbor and give somebody a high five and turn around and tell somebody, when you're used to doing that and then much of that gets taken from you. The, the scripture that kept coming to me, I know yours was Adam, where are you? And the scripture that keeps coming to me was the beginning of Jacob's wrestling. It says, and Jacob was left alone. Mm -hmm. And, um, and people, people deal with that differently. And uh, so I just wanted you to be able to, I'm glad that you said that because I think in these days we should be checking on each other. Wow. wow. And people should, agree. And people should not should not assume 
that because someone is good at something that they don't need encouragement. Thank you for that. I 100% I agree with that. Have you ever seen so many pastors suffering from depression? And you and I talked a little bit yesterday, Bishop Pitts. Exhaustion is another word. I, I'll just be vulnerable. Adam, you open the door. And we're going to talk about pastors just for a moment. And then we're going to get to the people. But I think this is necessary. Um, we talked about that a little bit yesterday, Bishop Pitts, that as 2020 closed, I'm just telling you, I was exhausted. I, I was just wore out from trying to figure it out, number one. And then number two, from, like you said, Adam, do, who, who is even here? You don't even know who's with you, who's not with you. And then you find out people have left. You don't know why they left. There's so many divisions and polarizations that are happening. It's, it's overwhelming at times. And I don't think I was suffering from depression as much as I was suffering from exhaustion. And so I was very thankful that River Ricky was born. My baby was born the first week of January because it gave me an excuse to stay home a little bit and, and be with my baby. And I'm, I'm resting up now. But I'm just telling you, right here in our city, Bishop Tony Miller, who has been the patriarch of Pentecost in this city for the last 20-something years, passed away a couple of days ago, 63 years old. Um, you look at other pastors, we won't name them, that we all know that have passed in 2020. And I'm not going to say it was all because of stress or COVID or anything else, but it's just interesting to me, young guys, they're just tired. Pastors are wore out. Uh, it was, it Bishop, do you want to hit on that? Yeah, it was the number one word. Um, it's an old uh, kind of a, a, a Sigmund Freudian, they would call it a Freudian uh, kind of way of psychoanalyzing people as you listen to the vocabulary and the most often repeated word in a person's conversation gives you an indication of where they're at. Okay. And over the last year, uh, the most number one used word to me from pastors that I talked to was the word exhaustion. And they were just saying, I'm exhausted. I am tired. Um, and, and you have to think about the number of things that, that you're dealing with. Um, because all of us care. All of us have very diverse churches and have spent our lives um, not just doing it because it's some kind of, you know, uh, uh, media photo op, but because it's our theology. Yes. The brotherhood of all man, the unity of God's people. Um, and then you have a, a very strange media environment, a very strange political environment, a very strange economic environment. Then you have pandemic. And as you said, uh, the markers were moved. Mm -hmm. I, I, you don't know who's with you because I can't see your face. And then some people who, who are still with you and were active givers are no longer employed. Mm. And then other people who could be helping, you know, decide, I mean, it was just every, it's like a perfect storm yeah. in, in psychological torture. And as a pastor, um, you know, we spend a lot of our life trying to fix everything and mm -hmm. to fix everybody. And what, what came to me is the fact that um, the scripture, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Yeah. And really the, the word soul there is psyche. What happens, what happens if I do all these things, but I lose myself? Mm. And, and then you start asking yourselves those existential questions. What have I lost along the way? And if I don't have, uh, as Adam was saying, if, if, if my markers have moved and it's not about filling up my building, 
if my markers have moved and there's no conferences for me to be invited to preach to, mm -hmm. if my markers have moved and my phone's not ringing anymore, if my markers have moved and people that I've preached to for years are no longer around because they're upset because I'm not talking about their favorite issue on a Sunday, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> then all of a sudden you're like, well, where am I? Exactly. Yeah. Adam, where are you? Um, Jacob is left alone. Mm -hmm. Are you losing yourself in the middle of this? So that's, I don't mean to talk so much about it. What I just want to say to any pastor, any leader, or, or a member or a friend of a church is if you are in, if you are in, you should let your pastor know you're in. Yeah. Ah. If you don't have an offering, let him know that you're in. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because um, pastors are, 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 are scrambling as well. Lastly, about this part that I will say, because I'm, I'm always a church guy, and I think that when everything else is called essential and people can pack out box stores yeah. and people can go to this thing and that thing, and, you know, I was teasing with Adam because he has a little uh, kind of a cheeky, sense of humor anyway and um in california as a as a uh, a state has been through an apocalyptic year of yeah. of fires and storms and pandemic and uh about the time that they were able to have outdoor services then the air pollution got so bad because of the fires that they i said my god man you can't have church inside and you can't have church outside right and um you know, so um, I think faith is essential. Yeah. And w there's a lot of talk going on right now, which I, I don't have any problem with, about everyone saying our kids need to get back in school because education and socializing, all of those things are important to them, not to just do it on the screen, but to be there. And I don't have any disagreement with that. But faith is essential. Yeah. yeah. Faith is essential. We're raising our kids without church. We're raising wow. our families without church. Wow. And to me, faith is essential. Yeah. So that's my sermonette. Well, and anywhere else in history, when when have we never been on the front lines? Right? I mean, world wars and, and calamities, and the church has always been there. Yeah. And I, this what last week, I had somebody mad at me about not going to pray for COVID patients in the hospital. I said, if they would let me in, I would. Right. Yeah. We have leper colonies in India. We go. I was thinking the same thing. You guys do the work with the leper colonies there. And, you know, 1666, what is that? The bubonic plague? Yeah. One, th one third of Europe dies. And yeah, the church was right there. And what are you going to do? I'm not saying to be ignorant or to be, or, or to be foolish or to put yourself in harm's way. I'm just saying if God called me to do something, I need to find a way to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I do think that there is, um, you know, I, I, I'm just going to say the way I feel. I do think that there is a psychological, emotional debt that is going to be paid if we don't soon figure out how to get our people together. Because I think that God did not create us to be that way. And I think that it's damaging on our kids, on our teenagers, on our families, on our church friends. Yes. I think it's damaging. I fully agree. It is. It should not be normal for our children to just look for their mask. 
before school or before they go right. anywhere. It's the first thing they look for is put, put the mask on. And it's totally strange. This is uncharted waters for everyone. And I agree with both of you that the church has got to get out in the front of this thing. We've got to get out in front to set a standard, to show a direction, to give some instruction. The church has to lead right now. And that was the message from Sunday that we've got to come out of hiding. The church has to show up. We have to yeah. be here right now. And we've gone through a season and we'll go into scripture just for a moment and, and, and prayerfully this will minister to the people. When you go to Hebrews chapter 12, you know, the starts out saying, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the, and the, and the finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the Father. And that's incredible. But as you go through that chapter, it starts becoming very interesting in regards to things remaining, things being removed, and yeah. things that you're going to receive. And when you get to verse 27, it says in this word, yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we are receiving a kingdom. And here's where I wanted to go tonight. They cannot be moved. So I believe we are in that season right now where things are being removed. We're finding out what is going to remain. And we're going to begin to understand now the thing that we are receiving, which is the kingdom of God. Not a kingdom to come, but the kingdom that exists. And so I want you guys to touch on that just, just for a moment, whoever wants to take the liberty. But we are in a shaking season. And, and, you know, when you're on a plane and you're at the end of the runway and you reach that threshold, that's when it shakes more than ever. And I believe the shaking that we are experiencing in the body of Christ right now, not just in the world, you know, we, we act like this is a United States problem. This is a world problem. And the world, the globe is being shaken right now. And I believe it's a sign in the natural of what's happening in the supernatural that we're about to go into levels of God and in God that we've never experienced before. And that understanding is going to evolve and we will step into it just like we do destiny. You don't decide destiny as much as you do discover destiny. And I think we're about to discover things about God and the kingdom that we've never understood before. But I don't think we're going to get there unless we pass through this shaking and there are we things being pass, removed. We have to pass through this shaking. 2020, a lot of people talked about vision because 2020 is perfect vision. Yeah. And I think the year of 2020, uh, God allowed us to see clearly who we really are. Yes. Um, that we, we have racial issues. Um, we have uh, political issues, people who are more Democrat or Republican or whatever than they are Christian, people who are more ethnically, um, earthly, ethnically defined than they are Christian defined, that are more economically defined. He, he led us, he gave us a good hard look at this is who you guys are. This yeah. is who you are. So that's 2020 vision. When we start talking about things that that cannot be shaken because other things have to be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken would remain. Right. I also have this feeling that um, I, li I like sports and football. I've, I preached so many Super Bowl Sundays at Jubilee. I don't even <laughs> remember. But um, but the NFL uh, some years ago said the church used to own Sunday, but we own it now. Mm -hmm. um, they they told us in our public schools they're gonna put pretty much put God out of the schools. It's almost like every every organization, institution, 
economics, you can have in God you trust on your money, all of those kind of things. But every time they've tried to push God out, God says, okay, well, what if you don't own Sundays anymore? And uh, what if what if your schools get shut down? And what if your money starts acting funny? What if I, what if all of it shakes? What if all of it shakes? Then what is remaining? Mm. What is remaining? And as it relates to our churches, because it is um, uh, unusual for people that the wheat and the tares always grow together. The Bible says until the time of the harvest. Wow. And that's when the tares have to be taken out so that the wheat can remain. Mm-hmm. And our churches were filled with people uh, clap happy, nodding at you, but they're not there. They're not there. They didn't believe it. <laughs> they yeah. made it. Right. And so, so to me, I see it um, as an indication that yes, harvest is coming. Harvest is coming. We just we just have to survive the shaking because um, the world has to know what cannot be shaken. What cannot be shaken. Yeah. And, and, and you, you don't know what is planted and permanent until the shaking arrives. And mm-hmm. it's like I had Dustin on here not long ago. We were talking about the kingdom of God, and and he said, Dad, the kingdom of God is not in trouble. We we're just finding out what was not the kingdom of God. The yeah, kingdom of God yeah. is, is doing just fine. We just found out what was to be removed. <laughs> and Well, I, I always love talking history with Adam. Yeah. When I say talking, I like it when he talks because I learn from his history. Me too. But, but I was thinking that, you know, the, the, the people of God, the kingdom of God, the word of God has survived dictators, pharaohs, oligarchies, monarchies, Hitler, yeah. <laughs> Mussolini. Mm-hmm. survived all of it so why can we not survive this we will we will and i love your scripture bishop because in you know hebrews is such a mysterious book you know, you know there's a big argument who wrote it when was it written why was it written but the only thing that's known is that you know why would why is it addressed to this audience called hebrews not to a church body like the other epistles and and uh but they've had a great shaking the temple's been destroyed They've been dispersed, the great dispersion, right? They're all over the Roman kingdom or outside of the Roman kingdom. And what is holy to them and what's not holy to them anymore. Mm-hmm. They can't worship the way they've always worshiped. It doesn't remain, it do, it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And really the, all of chapter 12 is, you know, there was a mountain that Moses went on to. Well, that, you don't have that. There was a firstborn lamb taken. Well, you don't have that. And everything you don't have and, and get to your point, you do have a shaking. But the next verse, and first verse of chapter 13 says, let brotherly love continue. So whoever the author is, is telling us things have been removed, things have been shaken. Even verse 26 says, even heaven is shaken. That's right. All right, so, but, but the good news is you can pick up the pieces if it's a starting point of love. And Mm. it has to be not a love of heaven, but a love of humanity, of Philadelphia. A brotherly love and if you can start from that parameter you can build anything back up yeah and 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 it can be holy once again and then it goes on to say don't forget right because if you entertain somebody you might entertain a, an angel remember the prisoners and remember that you were once chained with them you know and remember marriage is honorable the all of chapter 13 is remember these things because you're gonna build something from a basis of love, but remember what is truly good. Don't remember the the places so much. Remember the things that yeah. make it holy. Yeah, right? on, I'm, I'm just taking down notes so I can so I can. Uh. Do that. 
Here we go. That's great. So I, I, this speaks to me because Michael used to do a sermon he, at, back at Jubilee. He always, about the rapture and, and about if all of you want to be taken away and pulled up. But Man, don't, don't start on that. He did that for me in San Antonio and he rocked the entire city. He had the I, whole, I he had the whole graph out and everything. Well, half our church thought he was a heretic. Yeah, I, I was down there too, San Antonio. That's true. I, I was part of that half. But anyway, his whole point was be the fruit that remains. Yeah. Right? Because the shaking is going to happen. Hang on to the vine. And uh, so I just want to hang on to what God has for me and keep it simple. And when Michael was saying we're not getting invites anymore, and I, I used to plan my calendar around my little invites and vacations That's around right. these types. I didn't realize how holy they were to me. Yeah. And it, that's shaken. That's been completely removed. But I'm going to let brotherly love continue. And um, I was raised by my father, and you, you, you both know him very well. And, you know, my dad could preach the same sermon on a Sunday that he did last Sunday. And, the, and he'd have a bigger altar call. I don't know how he did it. But, it's true. But his gift was he took pictures. He hugged. He, he kissed babies. He... When people met him, they felt like they knew him forever. And I learned from that. And, and, and for that to be taken away from me, I can't do that. You know, I'd be the first one to show up at church and I'd be the last one to leave. And it's not an act. I learned it from my old man. Yeah. But that, that's been shaken from me. Yeah. So I have to hang on to the things that I have control over. Like Michael said, my psyche, I got to take control over that again. And no, God's going to get me through this. My heart, I got to take control over that. Yeah. And allow God to be to be reside in it once again in my hands. The yeah. things I used to do with them has been removed, but there's a lot of things I can still do with him. I can praise him. I can pray to him. So that's yeah. what I and I'll never forget that. So that's got to be 25 years ago. Michael preached that. But that that struck me to my heart. And I've been hanging on to that word. Well, his ser his sermons have a, have a way of staying with you for a long time, I can tell you. Well, there's the, one of the great things about uh, your dad, Pastor Dick Burnell, who is, uh, who is a friend of mine and was so uh, kind to me when I was preaching at Jubilee for all those years, is that that was what I would always tell somebody was uh, Dick Burnell's gift, is that he's a relational pastor. And I think that in the moments that we're in, the thing that we're trying to adjust to, and I don't know if we have answers for everyone who's joining with us in this uh, conversation tonight, but the church is a relational thing. Mm -hmm. um, you can't be a church by yourself. <laughs> yeah. you, can't, you can't be an army by yourself. You can't be, uh, the, the, the scriptures use uh, col collective and corporate terms. God incentivizes cooperation, communication, and collaboration. And, and we, we, we are not the temple. We are, we are living stones set in order in the house of God. Yeah. We are not an army. We're a member of the army. We are not the body of Christ. We are a, a member of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so hands and feet. So, so the, church, the church is relational. And anointing flows through relationship. And the trans, uh, transnuma migration, you know, the transfer of spirit has to have relationship. Soul ties have to have relationship. Impartation has to have relationship. So I think that it's important for us in these days to find the God answer, which, which hmm. I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say that I have it. 
Um, and I, I don't need any more uh, fortune cookie prophecies that people give out. Them, I, I might as well just go buy a bag of fortune cookies, you know, <laughs> and, and just crack them open. And everybody's a, a dashboard prophet, and everybody's a reporter, and everybody has an opinion, and all of those things. But in all of the clutter and the noise, there there is a voice. There is a voice. <clears throat> and <clears throat> what we really need to seek for, my suggestion would be god give us a word yeah amen because amen. if i get a word i can do anything on a word i can do anything on a word yep and and, and, I've, and I've watched you do that as well let, yeah. let me just let me just say this to you guys i, I just want to make a point talking about receiving calls you know the itinerant preach and do those things we were talking about you know when i wrote the book the blessing at the end of the year last year i got a bunch of calls to go about four cities and and did that and it didn't work too well with me because on the fourth one i came home with, with COVID and was 16 days in the bed so it might be the lord that would not receive those calls wow. matter well, of fact, I, I would, yeah i would agree with you on what that. an offering they gave you wow <laughs> yeah sweet right very kind of them but now what i want you to do um bishop pitts is, is, is speak to the people just for a moment the, the talk we've had so far in the vocabulary has been centered around leadership we've got about 10 minutes left here and if you would just speak to the people i know the lord has spoken to you about 21 I've, i heard a little bit when samuel asked you to address that subject and um and just speak to the people maybe prophetically and, and give us a word that you see for 2021 for the people of God. Well, first of all, I want everyone um, to be encouraged. I want you to know that your pastors care about you. Hold on, hold on, I'm gonna stop you because the Lord just reminded me of something. Mm. When we talked yesterday, you left me in tears by the time we was done with that conversation. You really spoke to me as a, you know, as a brother and a man of God. But when you said this, something went through my spirit that it, it jolted me. You said, Rick, listen, man, the enemy is attacking right now. And you speaking to me specifically, but not just me, pastors in general. And I believe the people of God need to hear this for the people. Confidence. Yeah. Take that and work with that just for a moment. If, if someone can, can rob you of your confidence, they can rob you of your anointing. Mm, mm. And uh, anyone who's ever been anointed, I don't care whether your anointing is preaching, prophesying, doing business, teaching school, being, you know, cooking a dinner. I know some people that can cook up under the anointing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but but when you are robbed, because most of the time when we talk about doubt, we talk about faith and doubt as it relates only uh, vertically towards God. But there is self-doubt. And the enemy will come in to make you doubt yourself, to make you second guess yourself. And there's something about being under whatever anointing or grace gift that God gives us that makes you feel like you can do anything while you're under that anointing. And uh, when David went to fight Goliath, his brothers approached him. And if you if you kind of look at that through that kind of a lens, you realize what they were doing was robbing, trying to rob him of his confidence. And if you can rob someone of their confidence, question their motives, uh, then, then that begins to rob you of, of your anointing. And there's an assignment. There's assignment to delegitimize true authority. Mm. And 
And so now we have a generation of people that don't know how to respond to true authority because they've been taught in an environment that delegitimizes. Come on here, Bishop. Every authority. And what happens in the body of Christ is, as the physical body analogy is, is if you have um, something moving through your bloodstream that's uh, a disease or that is uh, harmful, then you have other blood cells. Um, so you have, you know, the red blood cells, the white blood cells, and and, and the, the 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 white blood cells begin to go after the virus that is in your body to heal itself. What we're having in the body of Christ is we don't have anybody fighting for us. Come on. Mm. And anybody can say something, accuse something, do something. And rather than the body defending itself, we have these cannibals um, and they cannibalize the body of Christ. They're flesh eaters. They are social media pirates. Come on, <laughs> man. Yeah. And, and, and we're, we're sabotaging our own success. And uh, so what I would say to people, um, as your brother, I'm not, I'm not, everybody, I'm not their overseer, I'm, I'm walking this through with you, is um, be careful what you say, be careful who you hurt, think about it a little bit, and decide whether or not really at the end of the day, who is on the Lord's side? Are, are, you, are you working to edify the body of Christ or are you just finding fault with people and not realizing at the end of the day, we're all in this together. Mm. We're all in this together and um, we're gonna have to win together. Amen. See, I, I fully agree. And I, I think the, the spirit of intimidation, you know, the, the enemy alarms the people of God through sound. It's, it's what is said, it's what is seen. But, but it's that sound that comes and emits from an evil spirit that, that is definitely in the earth right now. And I agree that that spirit of intimidation, you're looking at pastors walking away from ministry that's been in ministry 30 years that are resigning their churches. You're looking at the people of God that have no confidence in the pulpit. The pulpit don't have confidence in the people. And we're seeing this separation, people leaving, people being scattered, the sheep are being scattered. And I just think it's high time for people to get up underneath that anointing again and start to decreeing and declaring the word of God with the confidence that you're talking about and the boldness that the apostles walked out that upper room with and we'll see change in this earth and people be saved filled with the Holy Ghost again but if, if I agree when you told me that yesterday I checked my own self and mm. I thought to myself how much have I have, have I allowed not just the culture but the time to alter uh, the anointing I walk in the office that I inhabit is my office influencing the culture or is the right. culture robbing me of some material that's supposed to be in my office because well, I'm trying to adapt? This will be my last little part on that. And then I'm, I'm going to let Adam do that. And I'll, I'll, I'll be more silent. But what people have to understand about their calling is sometimes God calls you to a people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes God calls you to a place. Mm -hmm. Sometimes God calls you into a situation. And sometimes he calls you into a timing mm -hmm. and all of those things wow. people can kind of search out, you know, scripturally. Um, but, but some people are defined by their days mm -hmm. and other people define their days. And, um, I, the, the scripture says that, um, that the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all of the days of Samuel. Mm-hmm. Samuel was not defined by his days. 
the days were defined by Samuel. Come on, man. And um, I, I think that my um, my charge or my whatever to uh, all of those who are listening to us is is to say, let's don't let these days define us. Let's define these days. Let me ask you guys a last question here. As we are approaching this, where we are now in, in, you know, we've gone from chaos to pandemic to pandemonium, panic. And it looks like to me that the prophetic is about to hit the people of God again, the true prophetic bishop. You know, we've seen what's not real. And do you, Adam, do you see an expression, at least an expression of what we were hewn out of, you know, where we came from, that, you know, the the, the, the Shatim wood, the acacia wood of the tabernacle. That's what we were carved, us three, we were carved out of that presence. Do you see another move like we've seen in our lives? I mean, you're talking about a culmination of what, 90 years experience sitting here right now in, in, in ministry? Do you see it again? Or is there something that we do not recognize that, I, that's going to happen. I'll just leave it like that. Well, you guys were talking about 2020 and I was the one, I was one of them preaching 2020 vision, but on the tail end of it, I started realizing that hindsight's truly 2020. And um, looking back on it, Mm. I do see that this will be a divider. We will look at things that once were, and we'll look at 2020. I mean, not only the church, but certain industries and, 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 and people's lives that we're going to be different. I just, my word that I've gotten for the start of this year is Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree. And we know Nathaniel was from Cana, according to chapter 21 of, of John. But why is he near the Galilee? Cana's not, Cana's near Nazareth. Why was he there? Why is he under a fig tree? Why is it that Philip had to go looking for him and then found him there? And then when Jesus says, oh, an Israelite, interesting, interesting term he uses there, that there is no guile. And then Nathaniel, of course, says, how do you know me? How do we know one another? And he says, I saw you under the fig tree, Mm. which means it's a place he, if he's there every day, then everybody would have known that. That would have been common knowledge. So obviously it was a one-time only thing. He doesn't say, well, Philip must have told you that. He he immediately says, oh my God, you know, he, he proclaims, you know, the master and rabbi, he changes his tune immediately, mm-hmm. which tells me that he was contemplating some dark things under that fig tree. Mm. And for Jesus to call him Jacob's new name of Israel, because we know Jacob was co- contemplating death. He even says when he wrestles with the angel and he lays on a pillow of stone, this is where I've come to die because he knows Esau is coming to get him. Is it Nathaniel in the same place? But once he got from out from under that fig tree, and you can study fig trees about in Judaism, they mean a lot. Yes. Once he comes out from under that, he comes under the anointing of Jesus. So when you guys were saying we need to come out from something and come under something, Mm -hmm. to me, it's a Nathaniel word. And I've taken myself almost like Nathaniel. I need to come out from things I used to rely on, my fig trees. And I believe God is calling me into a new way, a new expression to do a new thing. But yes, we were carved out of something, but we're going to use those as tools not to recreate it, but to create something different. So I'm, I'm, I'm wanting the, the spirit of Nathaniel on me. Well, when you think about uh, the, the word that comes after that, uh, Jesus said, um, you know, because oh, yeah, the ladder, big tree yeah. 
And then he goes back to Jacob and he says, uh, you here after this, you shall see heavens open and angels ascending and descending. Right. And I remember at the beginning of pandemic with the the people that that I helped to serve at whatever level, I said to them, pay attention at who's moving towards you mm. and who's moving away from you. Because because anytime something like this is going on, you have angels, messengers, ascending and descending. And some people are going up and some people are coming down, mm. but pay attention because there are people that were close to you who are moving away from you and people who are away from you are moving close to you. And that's my word for everybody to, Love it. to at least consider, pay attention at who's coming towards you and pay attention who's walking away from you. Wow. Strong. Pay attention. I said the other day we need to start paying attention to things that have been holding our attention and recognize what it is. Evaluate it, assess it, and move from there. So I, this has been very strong tonight, guys. I, I cannot thank you enough. I, I know this sounds weird in this generation, but I feel a resident anointing on me right now just from the dial. And I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke. I'm being sincere about this that there's something happening to the hundreds of people that are watching right now. And God is dealing with them to reposition them, to plant them, to lock them in, to at least allow them to consider where they are in relation to the call of God on their life. And we speak to all of you, three men of God right here, speak to all of you. And we call you into proper alignment and apostolic adjustments in your life. That you yes. would position yourself in proper purpose. That you would stop meandering in the maze of mediocrity. That you would just stop living life and you would get life in your living. That you would make Jesus the king of every decision you make. Realize the, the importance, the, the, the priority of the kingdom of God and his house. That you will not forget to congregate. That you will not forget to assemble. That you will not forget the importance of relationships and connections. That you will not forget the importance of reciprocating spiritual energy and synergy to the people that are assigned to you. We call you back in Jesus' name. Wake up. Do not be complacent and comfortable with what's happening in this earth right now. You are called by God to be Zion. And Zion is calling us to a higher place. So we speak tonight in Jesus' name. Make the change. Be the change. Bring the change in the name of Jesus. Amen. Any final words, guys? Adam, any final words before we go tonight? I miss both of you. I miss you like crazy. Yeah, I miss you, brother. I miss you guys. Well, my, my little final word is I just want to encourage everyone connected to Pastor Rick Hawkins, uh, the Place for Life there in San Antonio, also the Quest Church there. Um, don't just hear something tonight. Do something. It may not mean uh, a, a lot to you, but if someone would sow something and text something to give, it means a lot to a pastor. Every pastor's love language is the same, which is show up. I don't need you to buy me a tie. You ain't got to send me no shoes. You ain't got to put me on a cruise. Preach. And when people can't show up, uh, that's the pastor's love language. And sometimes it don't matter if it's a $20, $20 gift or somebody or whatever it might be. It lets someone know that you're there. 
and all of my friends in the, the San Jose area, I just want to say to you that uh, Pastor Adam has always been one of my favorite people, even when he thought I was a heretic for trying to teach him <laughs> something that he didn't really know and, and still is working on. You're doing better. Okay. <laughs> but um, those that are part of Jubilee Bridge, um, I was so excited. Kathy and I were able to spend some time there with he and Pastor Michelle and, uh, awesome. and, and see the Jubilee Bridge family. And those who have known us over the years, do the same there. Encourage your pastor, send something, give something. And uh, because there's there's a lot of things going on in the world where people have all of these groups that, that are wonderful and helping uh, support local um, restaurants, you know, and GoFundMes and all of these kind of things. And all of that's well and good. The American people are very generous and benevolent people. Let's don't forget our churches and our pastors in the middle of it. Good word. Pastor Adam, we speak success to you in Jubilee Bridge. Man, keep it going. You're doing a great job. We love you and Michelle. Bishop, I just want to say something to you, and I know Kathy's probably close to you uh, there, at least in the vicinity. Um, I really feel that the Lord would, would speak to me to tell you to enjoy your statesman season that has come up to you. It, it, what's beautiful about it is you didn't go after it. It came after you. And you are a statesman to the body of Christ. And when you speak, we listen. You carry an incredible mantle. The metron, the measure of your anointing has just increased. When we got off the phone yesterday, I called just several pastors that I knew. And I told them, Bishop Pitts is at a level that I've not heard him before. And um, there's a resolute conviction and resolve. In, there's a resolve in you, I should say and a conviction that is, that is concrete, it's strong, it's galvanized. And uh, we salute you. And man, we've been through a lot together. You know, and there have been seasons we've been like this, there's been seasons we've been like this. And I'm just glad we're like this right now because I, I've received from you in my ministry tenure as much as I've received from anyone. Mm -hmm. And I say that with, with much respect. And um, man, keep going. The body needs you right now. We need you. Leaders need you. And uh, you lead, when you lead, you lead well. And, I, and so I salute you. And we Thank just speak success and do your thing, man. As soon as we can get you down here, as soon as you want to come, you come on, man. We, and hey. yeah, like, I mean, I, I, how long, what a drive is it? I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> we love you. We love you and Kathy. Guys, thank, thank you, you again. We, we love you, you and, and we speak success to both of your ministries. Thank you for your time tonight.